Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Jesus is the master, and we are educating ourselves spiritually, intellectually, to walk by faith, to walk with an assurance that all things work together for good. Amen, amen. Well, we're in the Torah study uh, out of Numbers 13 today, uh, Torah portion number 37, and uh, Uh, As we begin, uh, we're we're studying another pivotal incident that takes place as Israel's trying to enter the promised land. Okay, and so anytime we're trying to enter our own personal promised land, there's going to be attacks to stop us. Because once you step into another dimension of faith and victory, you become that much more convinced and persuaded that God is on my side and nothing will separate me from the blessing and the promises of God. And so here in Numbers 13 through 15, uh, they're on the verge of entering the promised land. And we have this tragic episode of what's called the sin of the spies. Uh, And the spies were leaders of Israel, top dogs, that Moses sends out into the promised land to spy out the land. And unfortunately, uh, they turned a spiritual mission into a military mission. And they sized up everything incorrectly. Uh, And because they made this mistake of uh, looking at the natural circumstances above and beyond the promise that God said to them, you're going to take the land, you're going to possess this land, they got into the natural, they thought it was a military move, But uh, really it was a spiritual move and they became unfaithful to their leadership call. And that's not good uh, because that unfaithfulness led to an incredible spirit of unbelief. And they came back from their mission full of negativity. And they spread an evil report And virtually the entire nation suffered because of the evil report. And they ended up dying in the wilderness over the next 40 years and never got to experience the promised land. Amen. And so you would think they would have had more confidence, right? You would have thought because of the love of God, the power of God, uh, they would have been absolutely convinced that everything God said is true. God said it, I believe it. 
And the reason we can say that is, look, they were witnesses to miracle after miracle. They lived through the ten plagues, right? They had the Passover. They made the covenant with God. They were there and saw the parting of the Red Sea and the stunning defeat of Pharaoh's army. They ate the manna, right? They drank the, from the, uh, the bitter waters of Marah. God made those bitter waters turn sweet. Not only that, they were under the constant protection of the Shekinah clouds of glory. Man, how did that look? And then all the, every, the constant pillar of fire, right? Then they get to Mount Sinai and they have this epic revelation where God gives them the Torah. And as Sonny and Cher once said, the beat goes on. (laughs) Right? All of these should have been steps of faith that resulted in spiritual strength. But it, it tells us that you can't just rely on miracles. All right? Thank God for miracles. Say amen. Amen. But there's more to your Christian life than just praying for a miracle. God wants you to build yourself up in your most holy faith. Amen? And that faith builds qualities of spiritual strength and integrity and character in your life and God's interested in that too. He's interested in who you become as a human being, not just what you get out of the deal. Is that okay? And Israel missed out on the promised land because they were missing something inside. And Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, tells us about this. You can turn over to Hebrews 4, 1. It says, now the promise of entering into God's rest is still for us today. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did. Who's the they? Israel coming out of Egypt and heading to the promised land. We've heard the good news of deliverance just like Israel did. Yet they didn't join their faith with the word. Key point. They didn't join their faith with the word. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply. For they doubted. And for those of us who believe, faith activates the promise. And we experience the realm of confident rest. So the key message here, or one of the key messages, is that Most of Israel didn't mix the word that they heard with faith. So they doubted and missed out on everything that God had planned. It tells us that the blessings, the rewards that come with serving God don't always come automatically. You need to be kind of a master chef. 
And you're mixing faith with the Word. And we'll talk more about that as we go on. But essentially, this is a call to grow and develop our faith. Now, faith is a spiritual force. And that spiritual force is deposited in each and every believer, but we're responsible to grow it and mature it and develop it so that it's working at full force. Okay? In other words, you're building within yourself a spirit of believing God despite the presence of contrary evidence. All right? In other words, it may look like the devil, negative circumstances have got you right where uh, they want you. But your trust in God, your trust in his promises is greater than the fear that the enemy is trying to put on you. Whatever the situation, whatever the challenge, faith, say faith, faith Faith will bring you the victory. Amen? Amen. In today's example out of the Torah study, Israel saw the miracles. They heard the word, but it wasn't enough just to hear it. Be not hearers of the word only. That's a good start. You better, it's better to hear the word and not mix it with faith and never to hear the word at all. But that's not where God wants you to stop. And that's where a lot of times Christians stop. I went to church, I heard a nice sermon, and by the time I get home, I can't remember seven points. I wasn't taking notes. I didn't get the CD. I didn't go back and review the stream. Uh, I, I uh, didn't listen to the podcast on the website. I just kind of got back into my natural human environment and got back to being a human being. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. Versus you're not a human being trying to have a spiritual experience. You're a spiritual being... Having a human experience. And God wants to get us to the point where we believe His promises and act on those promises no matter what the situation looks like. That's faith. So whenever a challenge arises, our first reaction is a faith reaction. Right? Our first reaction isn't to take the evil report at face value and embrace it, absorb it. And, well, the doctor said, the attorney said, the judge said, the banker said, the, the employer said, the government said. That's not the final word. The final word is God's word. That's faith. When you have reached a point in your life where you react and respond to things with faith, not fear and doubt, not responding to the natural circumstances, we don't deny those things are happening. All right? We just deny 
their ability to overtake us and defeat us. I deny you, devil. I deny you situation, circumstance. In the name and by the blood of Jesus, I release victory. I declare whatever uh, you are trying to do to hurt me, God is going to turn that around. And you might have to say that 500 times. Get your chalkboard out and write that 500 times. So this is a never-ending process. There's never a time where I don't have to do that anymore. Now it can get tiring. The devil tries to wear us out. And so it's better to be proactive rather than reactive. Learning to be proactive... And get your insurance policy paid up before the fire happens. (laughs) Right? Make sure the barn door is closed before the horse gets out. (laughs) Okay? So it's a never-ending process. Right? Don't get weary in well-doing. God has a harvest of victory for all of us. And in due season... We can't always say where the due season is. It's like R.W. Schambach always used to say. God doesn't always pay on Friday, but he always pays on time. So, living the faith-filled life isn't a destination and you get there and then relax on your laurels. That's what heaven's all about. Right? Right? But in this world, in this life, we need to walk by faith, fight the good fight of faith. In all you're doing, keep doing. (laughs) It's not a destination. It's a never-ending journey. And that tires people and it discourages people because they want to look at the Bible and charismatic Christianity and all the things that we preach as if God is a genie. And now that I have uh, made Jesus my Lord, I rub the Bible like uh, Aladdin runs, rubs the genie lamp and God pops out and, and uh, okay, you've got three wishes. Well, my first wish is I get 10 million more wishes. And we wish our way. F- the faith life is not a wishing life. Hebrews 10.38 says that a righteous person will live by faith. Jesus said in one of the classic faith scriptures in Mark 11.22, this is out of the Amplified, have faith in God constantly. Constantly isn't necessarily one hour on Sunday morning. Constantly would be round the clock. I need to give my spirit and my spirit life, my faith life, round-the-clock attention. And that's, that's a challenge. That takes work. That takes effort. And the moment you begin to talk about effort in Christianity, people go in different directions. Because, Well, I thought I was under the grace of God. Grace doesn't exempt you. Grace empowers you to live it out. My grace is sufficient for thee. When your strength is small, 
and you feel like you're going to fall, remember my grace is sufficient and will strengthen you through any issue. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ live in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom. Apply the scriptures as you teach and instruct one another with psalms and with festive praises, with prophetic songs given to you spontaneously by the Spirit. So sing to God with all your hearts. There's a lifestyle right there. I don't know the will of God for my life. Colossians 3.16. You can advance from John 3.16 to Colossians 3.16. And there's the will of God for your life. So as far as God's concerned, look, we could go on and on with 101 scriptures. But as far as God's concerned, living by faith, walking by faith, Building yourself up on your most holy faith is non-negotiable. It's a non-negotiable part of Christianity. You will live by faith or we don't want to get into the other thing. But this is what defends you against the evil report. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Forrest Gump, stuff happens. Right? And today's lesson shows us that even when Israel knew what God had promised, they were still stunned and staggered when the spies came back with the evil report. Yes, there were giants in the land. God never said there were going to be no giants. He just said, I'm going to make you into a giant killer. And that's what fighting the good fight of faith is all about. What do you mean I've got to fight? Yeah, we wrestle with powers and principalities that try to knock you off your game. Right? You're you're called with a great calling. You have an awesome destiny. Israel had an awesome destiny. There's the promised land! But they focused... Their focus shifted from faith in God to fear of the circumstances. And that's where the rubber meets the road. All of us are in that quandary, those crosshairs from time to time. Where God's word says one thing, my life circumstances say another thing, and I'm in between, and I'm being pulled one way and pulled the other way. And a lot of times, and this happened with Israel, the majority of the people got pulled away from trusting in God and his promises, and they lost heart. They gave up. They casted away their confidence in trusting God, and they became filled with doubt and unbelief. Okay, so if you're in that valley of indecision, you need to come to your senses. These natural circumstances can change. We serve a God that does the impossible. He is the way maker. He will make a way. But if you panic, if you succumb to fear and doubt and unbelief and cast away your confidence, that's not God's fault. 
right? God said, put on my armor and take up the shield of faith. And, and with the shield of faith, you will quench the fiery darts of the devil that are trying to pierce your soul. Your soul is not the devil's property. Your soul is God's property. And when you get a thought that says you're going to lose, you're going under, there's nothing you can do about it, you're kaputched, finished, it's over. No, 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 it's never over with God. It may be the 11th hour, it may be one minute to midnight. You're about ready to turn into a pumpkin. (laughs) But see, panic will lead to rebellion, right? If you let doubt, fear, and panic get into your spirit, you're going to rebel against the word of God, and that's what Israel did. While all of the, uh, this evil report was circulating in the community, there's a, there's a pandemic, <laughs> and you get into fear. And there's a devil in every doorknob. There's a germ on every table. And there's, you know, uh, uh, COVID's going to kill me. I rebuke that in the name and by the blood of Jesus. Say that 10,000 times. Then you'll have 10,000 reasons why God is the, the victor. He's the redeemer. He's the deliverer. He's the conquering king. Now that doesn't mean be stupid. When you become a Christian, don't check your brains at the door. All right? So each of us need to take responsibility for building ourselves up in faith. If you break down the word responsible, it's response-able. Response-able. You are personally responsible for your spiritual life. When's the pastor going to do something? When's God going to do something? You are personally responsible. Now, of course, you know this. I'm being emphatic for those listening that are not here. (laughs) You become response-able. Okay, able to respond. How are you responding? How am I responding to the issues and circumstances of life? 10% of life is what happens. 90% is how we respond to what happens. And when we're faced with any kind of challenge, our response as a believer is a faith response. Amen? We've decided. How many of you, I pledge allegiance to, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided I am going to believe God and his promises. There is no other option. Despite the fact there's giants in the land. Right? So we're learning to walk by faith. Not by sight. And this is what enables us to overcome doubt and fear. Amen? Amen. And so, the biblical meaning of the word doubt is to separate thoroughly, to withdraw from, to hesitate, 
stagger, and waver. This is the devil's strategy. To separate us thoroughly, to make us withdraw from our stand of faith in God, so that we'll hesitate, that we'll stagger at the promises of God, that we'll waver, we'll become double-minded. And so he'll use circumstances, right? Medical, legal, family circumstances, financial circumstances. He'll use people's opinions. This is what happens to Israel. The 12 spies come back. Two say, we're going to go in and possess the land. Ten say, no, no, we're not. And Israel had to choose between competing voices. If you listen to the wrong voice, you'll always make the wrong choice. It's just as plain and simple. We need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice of God through the Word of God. Amen? And that way the enemy can't bamboozle us. Stop being bamboozled! (laughs) Amen? I love uh, Pastor Rick Renner's uh, book, Sparkling Gems. And he has a teaching out of Hebrews 11.6. You remember Hebrews 11.6, without faith it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. That he's what? He's the redeemer. He's the deliverer. He's the way maker. He's the conquering king. He's the lion of Judah. He is the God of all gods, the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. I believe that. And that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. All right? This is the kind of faith attitude we need to develop if we're going to experience the abundant life that's promised in the Bible. And this is going to take some diligence, right? This is where, you know, it's kind of like uh, training for an athletic event. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes training we don't see on Sunday or when we're watching the game. But athletes are constantly training. They're working with personal, and they're they're lifting weights. They're working on their cardio. They've got their Peloton. They're whatever they're doing. They're in front of that funny mirror that people talk back to you on. Keep going. Keep going. Push yourself. Push yourself. Diligence. Diligence means to zealously seek for something with all of one's heart, strength, and might. Is that what you're doing today, seeking the Lord? You are diligent. Amen. It goes on to uh, mean one who seeks something so passionately and determinately that she or he literally exhausts all of their power in the search. Talk about effort here. And look, had the spies that Moses sent out maintained this kind of attitude, Israel's history would have been different, right? And so Pastor Renner goes on to make a fascinating observation on what it means to be without faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Uh, 
This word without refers to a location and means to be outside of something such as somebody living outside the perimeter or boundary of a city. You're outside looking in. Without faith, you're outside looking in. Without faith, without this attitude, this spirit of your mind that says, I don't care what it looks like, I'm going to trust the Lord. If we don't have that, we're outside looking in. The idea here is that Christians can either live in faith or outside of faith. Right? And that's why we need to examine ourselves. We're not just playing church here, folks. There's a real world out there and a real devil that operates 24-7 trying to steal, kill, and destroy God's purpose and plan for our lives. And we think coming to church one hour a week is going to stop the flow of the enemy who's working 168 hours. So you're one hour on Sunday versus 167 hours of letting the devil run free. If that was a basketball score, that would be a slaughter. Uh, You lost 167 to 1? And this is where, you know, people don't want to be diligent. And they struggle with how much I'm going to invest in my spiritual life. All right, so this is a reminder, the sin of the spies. These were leaders. It happens to leaders. A pastor doesn't get an exemption, <laughs> right? Well, I'm not, I don't need to pray. I don't need to study. I can live like the devil and still make heaven my home. No, you can't. <laughs> Say amen, somebody. So Hebrews 11 Six could be written to say, when we live outside of faith living, beyond the boundaries and perimeters of living by faith, it will be impossible to please God and we'll miss our reward. And that's what happened with Israel. They didn't mix the word with faith. And so... It's showing us that someone that attends church doesn't necessarily mean they're living by faith. It's entirely possible to be an unbelieving believer. Think of that one. I believe in Jesus Christ. I make him my Lord and Savior. I thank you, Lord. Every sin is forgiven. Every curse is broken. And I'm reconnected to every blood-bought promise of God. I believe. But then from that point on, you can become an unbelieving believer. I don't believe by his stripes I'm healed. I don't believe there's a wealth that comes from the Lord and adds no sorrow to it. Uh, I don't believe the thousand and one promises in the word of God because I just thought it was an altar call experience and that that was the end of my journey. I prayed the prayer. What else do you want me to do? (laughs) All right. Are we okay? You know, the good news is, is God put into each of us, the Bible says in Romans, a measure of faith. 
Amen. And, of course, I'm preaching to the choir here. You guys got up early, came in. You're studying, learning, and uh, positioning yourself for greatness, for blessing, for rewards. Uh, But that measure of faith has to be taken. You become personally responsible for making it grow, for building it out, for strengthening that faith, for maturing that faith, so that you're so rooted and grounded in the Word of God that whatever happens in life, you're unshakable. Right? The winds, the storms will come. The man or woman who built themselves upon the rock, their house won't be washed away. And that's you. Whatever the devil means for evil, you know in your heart of hearts, God is working behind the scenes. He's going to turn this thing around. I'm not going to get in doubt and unbelief. I'm not going to withdraw. I'm not going to stagger. I'm not going to become separated. from. I am going to stand and having done all to stand, I'm going to stand. Come heaven or high water, come hell or high water, I'm in it to win it. Who feels like that today? If you do, give the Lord a big hand clap. So here's seven principles that build overcoming faith. Seven principles that build overcoming faith. Number one, embrace Jesus as the source of your faith. Hebrews 12.2 says, we look away from the natural realm. That's part of living by faith, right? You look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and expectation onto Jesus. My expectation is that Jesus is going to make something good happen. Because he birthed faith within us and he leads us forward into faith's perfection. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This is where you start. If you want to develop overcoming faith, looking to Jesus, learning how Jesus lived, WWJD, what would Jesus do? What did he teach? What miracles did he perform? This builds faith even in the midst of storms. When you're facing a bad report, a lot of things will try to divert your attention. Don't be distracted. Don't be diverted. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Peter was walking on water while he was looking to Jesus. It's only when he took his eyes off of Jesus and began to focus on the winds, the storms, the waves, and he looked down, oh, I'm, I can't walk on water, and he sank. And then when he looked back, oh, Jesus, help me. Come, get back up and get going. And it all worked out. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Number two, make the word of God final authority. Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Do you know just um, making the word of God the final authority will drive out sickness and disease? 
A lot of times people struggle with sickness and disease, and part of the struggle is they don't have enough word power in them, right? There's nothing for faith to mix with. I I know John 3.16, and what's that other one again? It's hard to overcome an evil report if if all you got is John 3.16. You might need a little more ammunition, a a few more bullets in your holster to overcome certain things. And so give God final authority means you go to the Bible first to find out what God says about it. You don't need to go to the internet. You don't need to go to your social media. You don't need to call Aunt Sally. You don't need to check your feelings. Well, how do I feel about it? God's word is the final word. That's how I feel about it. Whether everything in me is screaming something different, I am going to stake my claim and lay hold of what the promise of God says about my circumstance, and I will hold on to that. So in my world, it's called a white-knuckle session. Whether, whether it's a medical report, financial, legal, family, that's not the last word. God's word is the final authority and the last word. Amen? And that's what you use to cancel the evil report. Number three uh, of seven principles, continually feed on God's word. We're doing that. We know what Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Well, this is telling us you're more than just flesh and bones, right? You're a spiritual being having a human experience. You have a spirit and a soul. And what you feed the inner man, the inner woman, will dictate how you size up all the various experiences and situations in your life. Your your physical body wasn't made to live on one meal per week. Right? But how many people are trying to live on one Sunday service a week and be strong? and be vibrant, and energetic, and faith-filled. It won't happen. One hour a week, two hours a week is not enough. That's like, I, I, I had two meals this week, and you're starving your spirit. This is why many in the church are, are feeble. All right? Their immune system has been weakened because they weren't uh, feeding it the right nutritional diet, spiritually and physically. God's word is faith food. (laughs) All right? It's faith food for your inner man. You could say of Romans 10, 17, faith comes by feeding. And feeding on the word of God, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing. Faith comes by feeding and feeding on the word of God. So gorge yourself. (laughs) Bulk up. (laughs) All right? Don't wait until there's a crisis. All right? You need a fresh 
daily supply of God's word so you respond intuitively by faith. Number four, meditate on the word. Joshua 1.8, famous scripture, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Who likes a prosperous life? Who likes a success? We all do. All right, so meditate on the Word. There's a difference between feeding on the Word and meditating on the Word. Feeding on the word is reading and learning what God has to say. We need to do that, right? But meditating on the word takes all of that head knowledge of the Bible to a higher spiritual dimension. You're spending time thinking, internalizing, absorbing and embracing and driving the word of God down into your subconscious. And that way you're training yourself, preparing yourself before there's any fire. All right? Don't wait for the fire to try to bulk up, to try to get it down. Look, God forbid there should be an evil report come against you. But if you're prepared ahead of time, you'll be able to enforce your authority with the word of God and reverse that curse in the name and by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Say amen. 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 Number five of the seven principles, act on the word. James 1.22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Deceiving yourself. It's not just the devil that deceives us. We deceive ourselves. Well, I heard that. Why is he teaching this basic faith stuff? I already heard that. (laughs) Okay. One way we act on the word is to speak it. All right? Faith grows when God's word becomes our language. I said, do you speak in my language? And he just smiled and gave me a biblical sandwich. (laughs) Right? We need to learn to declare the promises of God daily, right? Not just on Sunday morning. Thank you, Lord, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Thank you, Lord, that your blessing makes me rich and adds no sorrow to it. Thank you, Father, I can do all things through Jesus Christ that gives me strength. Thank you, Lord, you meet all of my needs according to your riches and glory. Thank you, Lord, the peace of God guards my mind, my spirit from all attacks of the enemy. Lather, rinse, repeat. Another way we act on the word is to literally take dominion. Jesus' victory has given you dominion and authority over every work of darkness. 
Speak the word, rebuke the devil, take authority over negative circumstances in your life. If something's coming against you, don't play defense, go on the offense. You have a sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Use the sword of the Spirit. It is the word of the living God. Well, I tried that once. That's not a lifestyle. I tried that health membership once. (laughs) Now I just watched the commercials. You don't let your body or your finances tell you the way it is. All right? If your body's acting a fool... (laughs) Body, get in line with the Word of God. Every cell, every vessel, everything in my body, I command you to align yourself with the Word of God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and no sickness or disease will come nigh my body. No plague will come nigh my dwelling place. I bind and rebuke the devil. I release the Holy Spirit, the angels of God, the healing power of God. Lather, rinse, repeat. Okay, just remember the devil doesn't control you. If you're hanging around people that give you the feeling that the devil's power and God's power are neck and neck, we don't know which one's going to win this one. Liar, liar, pants on fire. You're led by the Spirit. He's leading you into a faith-filled life. And overcoming faith is the life you were meant to live as a child of God. Praise the Lord. Number six, pray in the Spirit. Jude 20. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Praise God. It's really no secret, praying in tongues builds up your faith. God has given us everything in his word, but some of the specifics of your unique plan and purpose in life often comes through praying in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14.2 says, when you pray in tongues, you're praying the divine mysteries of the gospel over your life. Amen? And so, it's not that you're not saved if you don't pray in tongues. It's just that you don't have access to another way to release and receive God's wisdom and strength and power to get inside your inner man. Amen. Number seven, continually give praise to God. All right? The seventh principle to building, overcoming faith, continually give praise to God. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be careful, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Praise and thanksgiving is what we do between believing and receiving. You believe and you pray. What do I do from the moment I pray until the answer comes? Praise and thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. That's what you do between the asking and the answer. Right? 
praise and thanksgiving. Father, I thank you that you are a gracious Father, that you meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory. Uh, Thank you, my body is healed, my family is whole, my finances are growing. I thank you for a long life, a prosperous life, a blessed life in every way. Help me to be a light to the world. Help me to be the salt of the earth. Help me to fulfill my divine destiny through Jesus Christ. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for revelation. Thank you for insight, strategy, ideas, concepts, innovations in my family, in my business, in my ministry. Just let the angels of the Lord bring ministry to me. Refresh me. Father God, lead me and guide me into your good, acceptable and perfect will. Let me live in strong faith, abundant faith, vibrant faith. Give me spiritual vision to see beyond the natural circumstances so that I live a life that always knows you have my best in mind and all things work together for good. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you receive that this morning, give the Lord a big praise.